2017. You know, I, I started thinking about, and maybe you have as well, kind of the New Year's resolutions you might have. And I don't know if yours has been like, eat less ice cream and, and run more. I say this, let's run and eat ice cream together. And let's pause so that we don't spill any. Let's just stop, eat it, and then let's both say, we can rest. Because we just ate ice cream. Amen? Before I forget, aren't y'all blessed by Leslie Shelton and the fact that she plays safely for our church? Amen. Man, I, I tell you, she's one of those unsung heroes of our church. You know, faithfully plays and is so talented. And if you want to be challenged, sit down and open your Bibles with her. She has a wealth of knowledge there as well. I'm grateful for her. Um, you can just put the money in the offering plate as it comes back around. Just Kyle, if you'll run it towards me. Um, maybe your, your, your resolution's like weight. Uh, heard a guy say the other day, now there are more overweight people in America than average weight people. So overweight people are now average, which means you've already met your New Year's resolution. Or maybe your New Year's resolution's like this. Then Mark Twain said, New Year's Day, now is the accepted time to make your regular annual good resolutions. Next week, you can begin paving hell with those. Or maybe you're like Oscar Wilde that said good resolutions are simply checks that men draw on a bank where they have no account. You know, I think that when we look at resolutions, we know what they really look like, right? I mean, the gym that I go to will be full of people this next week. I mean, it'll be packed. And in about three weeks, it'll be empty again. And I often think about that because we make a lot of resolutions, these promises we make to ourselves about what we're going to do or be for the next year. I mean, like one of mine is always eat more vegetables. But the problem with that is, I mean, a, a bean is a vegetable, right? Potatoes, I can eat lots of those. So if those are vegetables, I am so in. But you bring cauliflower to my house. I, I heard people say this, and, and you may be one of them that you can make mashed potatoes out of cauliflower that tastes just like mashed potatoes. No, because mashed potatoes are not made out of cauliflower. They're made out of what? Potatoes, the way God intended them to be. Quit trying to force feed us cauliflower. That is broccoli that saw a ghost. So give up on it. And we all know that broccoli is only good when it's covered in what? Cheese, praise the Lord. I believe that all broccoli should be raised right next to a butter factory, right down the street from a cheese factory. The butter should just flow as it's in, in its infancy. It should soak up all the butter goodness. Amen? Because not, I, listen, there's some of you out there that could break off broccoli right off and just, mmm, <laughs> shame on you. I mean, you need some butter love and some Jesus cheese on it. And then I'm telling you, then all of a sudden broccoli turns into something that it wasn't. Delicious. If you have to cover something with cheese or wrap it in bacon, praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, listen, some of y'all say, well, if that's what you have to do, I don't eat shoes, but I can guarantee you this. You cook my shoe in butter, pour some cheese over the top and wrap it in bacon, I'll try. I'll get after it. I'll do my best. So would you. But I mean, that's how our New Year's resolutions work, right? We say, oh, I'm going to eat healthier. 
Eating healthy does not mean ordering less, right? It means stopping eating fat. But that's not fun. And, and some of us say, oh, I'm going to exercise more. And by exercise more, it means this. You're going to go take, you know, the elliptical that's in your basement that has your clothes hanging on it and move it to the living room for about two weeks. So that when people come over, they go, oh, you work out? And you go, yeah, <laughs> while I'm eating my fresh broccoli. You know, that, that just doesn't work. But we always make these resolutions. We always say, oh, this is what I'm going to be, but they don't tend to last. In fact, they tell us that New Year's resolutions last on typical about three weeks. Three weeks. That means this. Today, if you made your New Year's resolution, you're at least got it down for what? Ten hours now? Congratulations. If you can make it past the three-week mark, you're doing something amazing, right? But I started to wonder, what would it have looked like for newness to take place and it seemed like it was impossible? Let's remember back right quick to our series on Moses, who has faithfully led the people out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. In the midst of the wilderness, they've complained. He's gone to God. God's come to the rescue. We've seen it happen time and time again. And at the end of his life, where we ended the series is Moses then commissions Joshua to take his place. Moses goes up on the mountain. He can oversee the promised land. And it says, there he dies. And then we, we get to a new book. The book is called Joshua. It's kind of like his journal, if you will, of what happens next. And in, in chapter 6, we see this monumentous, uh, monumental moment of where God's about to start something that seems impossible and make it possible. I mean, that's what a new year looks like, right? The impossibles that we can tackle. But how do we get to that place? where the impossible starts to become possible. Well, in chapter 6, verse 1, we see this. I love how it starts. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites, no one leaving or entering. So at this point, here's Jericho on the map, and all around it is the children of Israel. So no one's leaving. They're scared to death of what's about to happen next. But they're fully fortified because they're a large wall, complete city in the midst of it. And so they're all kind of in Jericho waiting to see what's about to happen next. All the children of Israel outside of the walls of Jericho are doing the same thing. What's about to happen? Verse 2 says, The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I've handed Jericho, its king and its fighting men, over to you. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram horn trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march... Uh, march around the city seven times while the priest blows the trumpets. And when there is a prolonged blast horn, you hear it sound, have all the people give a mighty shout, then the city wall will collapse and all the people will advance, each man straight ahead. I, I often think about this plan. God gives Joshua a plan of attack and he tells him, here's what you're going to do. And I, I kind of think for a second, number one thing that we've got to learn from this story is that God always has victory in hand. He already had the victory won to begin with, right? He says it here. He goes, hey man, I've already, I've already handed you Jericho, it's king and all its fighting men. That's done. I've already got the, the victories won. Now here's the next steps. So we can know this, that in this new year, the, the things that we believe are our Jerichos in life, the Jerichos that are, are poison ready to, 
to be a fight that you can see about to happen. God's already won it. He's already finished it. The victory's already in hand. It may not look like you think. You know, I think sometimes in life, in victory of life, we think that God owes us something. As though, like, the outcome needs to be perfect for us. And God's going, hey, wait a second. The outcome may not look like you think. The outcome could be completely different, but I'm asking you to be obedient. So, victories of faith, victories of faith are typically unconventional. Victories of faith are typically unconventional. Here's why. If you can conquer the victory on your own, you can put your name on it. That means this, the Jerichos of your life, if you can fix them, fix them now. Can I just tell you something from a pastor's heart? There's things that you're praying for that you need to fix today. It'd be like this. Lord, help me to fix those pickets on my fence. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. And the next day, Lord, help me to fix the pickets on the fence. I believe the Lord's telling you today, go fix your fence. You're praying for something that's small and insignificant that you need to get done. When's the last time you said, Lord, I'm praying that you would stir the hearts of the nation. God, I'm praying that you would heal our land. God, I pray that you would, and you could fill in the blank, with something that's God-sized and not you-sized. I believe there's things that we pray for that are you-sized that you should have been doing already. Can I give you a you-sized thing that we should already be doing? God, lead me to share my faith. Go do that. God, help me to give. Give. God, help me to go to bed at a reasonable time tonight. Don't stay up. Like, there's some reasonable things that I think that we can get that God's going, quit asking me for that. Do it. Ask me for things that only I can do. Can I just tell you something that couldn't have happened? I do not believe that Joshua and his men could have won the Battle of Jericho. I believe that when the men came back the first time to talk to Moses and give him the report, they were being truthful. They could not take Jericho. It was an impossibility. Jericho was heavenly fortified. It had a military investment there. It was a city built to defend itself. The men could not have won that battle. That's why God has got to be unconventional. He has to show them that it wasn't built on their strength or their military prowess or their preparations. It was based upon what only God could do. So why doesn't God tell them, every day I want you to walk by with your swords drawn and carve out the city in between the mortar so that on the seventh day when you do it, the walls will just fall down? Because then they could have said what? We did it. We were successful. We did it our way. And God's going, that's not how this is going to work. Here's how it's going to work. I want you to take the guys that don't carry swords. And what's more is I want you to put horns in their hands, and I want you to march the ark in front of all of you. What do they have that's special? What do they have that is a treasure? The ark, right? That's the most valuable thing they possess. And God's saying, put that out front. Put that out front. Show the world that you value me before everything. And then follow after me and let's, let's march. So they start. And this wasn't like a, 
a 30-second march. This is a full city. It would have taken a long time to march around Jericho. You imagine what people thought? There's lookouts. They're watching from above. They're like, what are they doing? Okay, they're not attacking. They're, they're walking. That's cute. And they walk. They go home. The next day, they come and they walk. And for six days, they come and they walk. You got to think about the sixth day, the people of Jericho are going, these people are idiots. I mean, they don't even know how to fight. You got to know that from the top, they've got to be looking down going, a swallow, how does a swallow carry a coconut? Monty Python, you're welcome. Thank, who laughed at that, by the way? Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, you and me. We're the only ones that caught that. Okay. Um, but, I mean, they, they've got to be looking down, criticizing, and going, this is crazy. I mean, you realize if y'all come to fight, we're going to kill you. Jericho was not just a startup. It had been there. It had lasted. And so what happens? Verse 6, So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests, and he said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, move forward and march around the city and have the armored troops go ahead of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing and the armed troops went in front of the priests who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not shout or let your voice be heard. Do not let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout. Then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circled at once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Complete silence. You imagine? You're just walking. I, I, I don't want you to forget how awkward this is. How terrible this is. How humiliating this is. They're marching around the walls. They are defenseless. As they walk. Think of it for a second. As soon as you pass that guy with an arrow in his hand, what your thought must have been. I mean, all they had to do is start fighting, right? I mean, at this point, you're just marching. You're not prepared. You're not, you know, covering up yourself. You're, you're literally trusting God and marching around Jericho. So in this moment, you're not only humiliated, you're not only silent, you have to be fearful. All you get to do is be silent and walk. Verse 12 says, Joshua got up early in the next morning, and the priests took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days, and early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. This took forever, y'all. This was arduous. This is tiring. I mean, you got to think, this is a long walk, and you're doing this numerous times. And on the seventh time, it says, verse 16, Now the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. What did he say? The Lord has given you the city. Did he say, for we have done everything we should have done? No, he says, for the Lord has given us the city. 
even in the midst of a victorious moment. And Joshua declares this before the walls have fallen. That's a big statement. I mean, what if they go, woo, and nothing happens? And Joshua's like, well, retreat, right? Like at that point, you don't know what else to do. So Joshua makes a definitive statement. Shout, for God has given us the city, and they shout. I love this. Um, Verse 17, but the city and everything in it is set apart for the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute, which was promised before, who got the spies out, will live, because she hid the men that were sent. Verse 18, but keep yourselves from the things set apart, or you'll be set apart for destruction. If you take any of these things, you'll be set apart from the camp of Israel for destruction and bring disaster on it. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. So the people shouted and the trumpets sounded, and when they heard the blast of the trumpet, people gave a great shout, and the wall collapsed. I I, I love that there's a period here. I kind of wonder, don't you, if they all go, woo, and the wall goes, if they all don't go, I can't believe that worked. I mean, did you, just me? Y'all see this, right? And it says that they advance. The people advanced into the city, and each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. All of Israel is lining around Jericho. And as they're marching, they hear the trumpets blast. They hear the shouts. The walls collapse, and all the men don't have to go, oh, the wall collapsed over there. It says they all advance straight ahead. All of the walls have collapsed. There is no defense for Jericho. They all advance straight ahead. So I love this. It says this, and they captured the city. They completely destroyed everything in the city with the sword. Every man, woman, both young and old, every ox, sheep, and donkey. This is a complete win by God. They never had to take anything down. In fact, the whole city is beaten down by the sword. This is an intimate way of fighting. This is not a far-off distance. There's no battering rams involved. Completely by the sword. God takes Jericho himself. Why? Why would God take Jericho himself? After so many years of wandering in the desert, with so many generations not pursuing God and turning their back on God and seeking other gods, God shows up and he says this. Let me show you what I can do if people are obedient. Let me show what happens when people listen to my word and follow it. I can do things that seem impossible. I mean, Jericho was impossible. Let's not forget the most fortified city of its time. Being prepared for battle, they weren't shocked that Israel was there. They're prepared. And they're prepared to defend themselves. And no one else has made it into Jericho. And all of a sudden, God takes down Jericho in a day by something mighty that he's prepared in advance. Seven days of walking, and God does the talking. It's amazing what happens when we know that God has Jericho's at hand at all points in our lives. He has not left you alone. He doesn't just look past your Jericho's. He knows exactly what's about to happen. And if you're faithful and obedient, 
he still knocks down Jericho walls. So how do we get there? Well, first is this. Communication through prayer claims the victory. Communication through prayer claims the victory. How do we know this? Well, how does Joshua know the plan? God speaks to Joshua. He tells him what to do. And he asks him to be obedient to it. And if he's obedient, God is going to do something amazing that only God could do. So how do you know if you're doing the right thing? Check his word. Check his word. Scripture tells us this, that to test everything against his word. So if you're hearing God telling you to do something, test it against his word. The next is pray. Pray diligently. And as you pray, pray with your Bible open. And I've said it before, but I think it may be one of my favorite quotes. And I don't agree with this preacher on everything in theology, but he said this, and I've, I've always kept it. So one of the most powerful things he's ever done is realize that there's days that he needs to have a Bible study with the enemy. Just to say this, this is what Scripture says, and this is what you're saying. You're a liar. It's powerful. When we trust in the Word of God and when we lean into prayer, God does things that are extraordinary. When's the last time you saw God do something extraordinary? I'm not talking about just something like the sun rising the next day. That's extraordinary, but it's common to us, right? Like we're so used to that. I'm talking about the extraordinary. When's the last time you saw God do something that took your breath away? When's the last time you saw God move in such a mighty way that you couldn't help but understand that it was his spirit moving? When's the last time? Or are we simply okay with staying outside the walls of Jericho in faith? You see, they could have stayed in the desert. In fact, they could have gone around Jericho. They could have avoided Jericho altogether. They could have just gone a different path and taken other cities less fortified and less grandiose. They could have just stayed to an easier path. But Jericho was a prize that only God could take down. And he leads them to Jericho for a reason. Because it's the same thing that we hear today. And remember 2 Chronicles, what it tells us? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven? You remember this? If we are his people, we will do it his way. And when that happens, something big happens. Here's the last thing we get from Joshua's story today. Obedience to the command of the Lord is essential. That means this, if on the sixth day, Joshua says, I'm tired of walking. Today we're just going to walk around Jericho six times. We're going to blow the ram horn. We're going to scream and God's going to knock the wall down. You know what happened? Nothing. Except the people of Jericho would have gone, wow, that was loud. Wonder what that was all about. Or if on the first day, Joshua's like, listen, I, I know what God's telling me to do. But instead, we're just going to run really fast into the wall and see if it falls down. It just wouldn't have worked. They had to be obedient to what God was saying or it would not have worked. And there's so many of us that are going through so much stuff because we simply won't be obedient to what God has called us to do. So if your New, Re New Year's resolution this year is to give away a vice in your life, be obedient to God's word. That's the only way it's going to happen. If this year your, your goal is to get more healthy, listen to God's word. It's the only way it's going to work. If your New Year's resolution is to be closer as a family, 
The only way it's going to work is if you lean into God's word. Does this sound like a broken record yet? We've tried, and we can throw as many resolutions on the wall and hope that something sticks. But I've got to tell you, they're not going to last. The only way it's going to work is if you'll do it God's way. Quit trying to do it your way. Your ways don't work. My ways don't work. The world's ways don't work. Look at the world. We're kind of jacked up, aren't we? I mean, at best, we're a car up on, on blocks with its wheels missing and the stereo gone. That's at our best. We start to do it God's way. He starts to have God-sized results. So I'm going to ask you to do something this week. The takeaway, if you will. At the bottom of your connection, God has the following things. My Jericho is. I will circle it in prayer when. And I will ask the following people to circle with me. I don't know if you've ever heard about circling your wagons and what that means. They would circle their wagons for numerous reasons. It gave them a way of protection. It also allowed the person behind you to have your back. If you circled your wagons. I think this year, if you will be brave enough to identify not only what your Jericho is, and the time of day you'll start praying circles around your Jericho, but if you'll circle your wagons with people, I believe we'll see Jerichos fall down. This year, uh, in fact, this coming Sunday, the 8th, we're going to talk about our theme for the year. And my prayer is this, that this year as your Jerichos fall down, you'll not only let your circled wagon people know, She'll let our church know. You'll tell us, hey, this is what's happening in our world. Because our world, although it seems big, your world is much smaller, isn't it? Because the only person that sees the world from your point of view is you. And so today, let me ask you the question. Is the impossible happening in your life? Or is just the possible happening? Have you said this resolution that you know you could probably fix today are you asking god to do the impossible in your life i guess it was about i don't know four years ago now Dell, myself and scott we loaded up and we went to a conference in atlanta we got there and we're ready to walk in uh, the first wednesday of the conference and we figured out when we got there that there was a ticket for the pre-day stuff that we didn't have we had our budget set, and so Scott and Dale and I are looking at each other, and I said, well, Dale, I mean, go. You go, and Scott and I'll go sit and talk and just sit at the mall, whatever, but soak up as much as you can, so we kept our budget within budget. And so Dale went, and Scott and I spent the day at the mall, and we met Dale that night, and Dale comes out, and he has this big grin on his face, and he goes, God spoke to me, and I was like, sweet, what did he tell you? And he goes, there's a book. I heard this author speaking in a breakout, and I feel like our church needs to hear it. And he gives me the book. He goes, you got to look through this. And so we go to, to dinner that night, and I'm, I'm looking through this book going, man, we should be doing this. We brought it back, and, and we brought it to you guys. And we asked that you read it with us, and we started a time of prayer together as a church, and we asked God to do some crazy, impossible things. And God started doing them. One after the other, after the other. And, and I don't know if you remember it, but when we introduced the circle maker here, it kind of changed our lives, didn't it? Those of y'all that 
spent the 30 days of prayer with us and asked that God would do some amazing things. Some of y'all took that challenge with us and you prayed diligently. Heard stories that in people's living rooms of their homes as they knelt and prayed, God started to change some things. We saw families healed in those days. We saw God do amazing things that didn't seem possible in those days. So I'm asking you to do something with me this year. Next Sunday the 8th, we're starting our new year as a church with a new theme. We're going to work here this coming week. If, if you want to give us some time, come by this week. We're going to be cleaning out closets and cleaning everything. I mean, this church is going to smell like Mr. Clean came through and exploded. Um, but we're asking for your help, so we need you this next week. But on the 8th, I've heard it said from other people, but I, I want to ask you, next Sunday, be here. This is a Sunday you don't want to miss. As we talk about what God's going to do in the next year, but starting on Sunday the 8th, I'm asking you to join me for 30 days. 30 days of intense prayer. We'll have the church open in the morning all day long. I'm asking you to come. As, if you'll come give 30 minutes of time during those 30 days, you can come into the sanctuary, you can walk the church, but I'm asking you to come and pray, not just for our church, but for you. We want you to have a place that you can come and pray. And for 30 days, we're going to focus in on what only God can do. The next challenge. In those 30 days, I'm asking you to do something with us as a church. During those 30 days, I'm asking you to give three days. Three days. You can do them all together. You can spread them out. But for three days in those 30 days, I'm asking you to fast. I'm asking you to plan that out, to get ready. And to give your fast, during those three days, I'm asking you not to do a Daniel fast or a no-meat fast. I'm asking you to completely fast for those three days. I'm asking you to just give your whole day to focusing in on praying and asking the Lord to do something that only He can do. So starting the 8th, 30 days. During the 30 days, 3 days. And together, let's focus in on the Lord together. So I'm going to give you a tool for that. In the, in the foyer out there with Sharon is the book, The Circle Maker. It's a book that we love and treasure at our church. It's changed a lot of lives here. So we're asking you to do this. Maybe you don't have a copy. Go out there and talk to Sharon about that. I'm asking you to do this. If you do have a copy, dust it off. Get it out and let's start together today. And let's start asking God to do the impossible. Not the simple not the ordinary. I believe 2017 will be the impossible things happening kind of year. Something only God can do. So, what's your Jericho? What's your Jericho? It may seem scary. It may seem distant. It may seem fortified. It may seem like it is impossible. But God already has the victory in hand. If you'll be obedient to him, the battle is easy. But you got to do it his way. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I pray, God, that as we start to identify the Jerichos in our lives, God would always realize as well that you already have it won. The impossible is possible because of you. Lord, we give you great praise for Jesus and what he means to us and the sacrifice he gave and died and rose again for us. God, we're grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit that continues to dwell amongst us and through us and in us. Lord, may the passion of this moment 
be won by the significance of the next. Today is the day that we have. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. May we be captivated by your presence. May we be challenged by the, the events to come. But God, lead us to be people of prayer, people that are deeply rooted in obedience to you. And God, may in everything that is to come, may the victory have your name next to it and not ours. Lord, we're asking for the impossible to be made possible. We give you great praise for what you're going to do this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're just going to have a quick time of invitation. We want to invite you this morning to come and pray. Maybe you don't know your Jericho. Maybe today is the day you need to kneel and ask God to direct you there. Maybe today you, you do know it and you need someone to circle wagons with. And man, we three men up here would love to be a part of your wagon crew. The next, maybe this morning, you need Jesus in your life. And you're, you're saying, I want to start 2017 off with Jesus in my heart. This morning, no matter what your decision is, I pray you'll move. I pray you'll be ready to go this year. Make 2017 be marked by the movement of Jesus in your life. Are you ready? As we sing, you come.